This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. Hey, and one more thing. If you love the show and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash southpawpod. UFC 243, Whitaker vs. Adesanya, took us back down under to see who the best middleweight in the world is, and the main event did not disappoint. Israel Adesanya beat Robert Whitaker by knockout at 3 minutes and 33 seconds of the second round, cementing his place as the undisputed middleweight champion, and the first in the division to be from either New Zealand or Nigeria. The magnitude of this event can't be denied. The entire main card had at least one fighter from either Australia or New Zealand. When Elvis Sinisic made his UFC debut in February 2001, he shocked the world by submitting Jeremy Horn in round one. Although his career had more losses than wins, he showed that genuine talent exists outside the normal MMA hotspots. And I'm sure he was looking at this card like a proud dad seeing his kids grow up before his eyes. Adesanya has been nothing less than amazing in his UFC career, and he might have had one of the best runs ever in the division leading up to a title fight. The last person to rack up an undefeated streak up to a title fight was Chris Weidman, and he shocked the world by knocking out Anderson Silva in the second round. Time will tell if Adesanya will have staying power at 185, but first, let's break down some of the action that happened. Whitaker fought a good chunk of this matchup attacking in a straight line, leading early with low line kicks and in his usual crouched stance with his head slightly leaning towards his left. The kicks were a good idea. Kelvin Gastelum had a lot of success pinning Adesanya in place when he threw them, and Whitaker is definitely faster at throwing them than Gastelum. Adesanya had to make a choice between checking the kicks or withdrawing his lead leg, and he opted more so for the former since it allowed him to return fire from a closer range. One of the early problems that showed up for Whitaker was his love of leading with power jabs. Although there's nothing wrong with showing your strength early, there's something to be said about setting up your traps and getting your opponent to buy into a rhythm before you break it. Whitaker did this beautifully against Rafael Natal, Clint Hester, Brad Tavares, and Uriah Hall. In each of those fights, his jabs came at you from different speeds and angles. His opponents weren't sure if they were going to get a stiff jab to the midsection, a soft glancing blow to the face, or just a feint that was meant to distract. In this fight against Adesanya, Whitaker wanted to prove his worth early and came out with much more power in his jabs. For his part, Adesanya kept his cool and used effective stance switching to keep Whitaker from rushing in, as well as checking a lot of his jabs that were thrown his way. Adesanya would stick out his own jab out whenever Whitaker would recklessly charge in with his left hook, and he moved his head ever so slightly to get offline and evade the blow. There were times when Whitaker came dangerously close to taking off Adesanya's head with an overhand right, 
but a slight lean back is enough to see the punch just fly on by. The other issue with Whitaker's overhand rights were that afterwards, he would be off balance and had to take a second to reset. Although it wasn't strictly the overhand, a right hook that was thrown wildly at the end of round one almost got Whitaker finished early. Adesanya leaned back to avoid the brunt of the hook and clipped Whitaker on the jaw with his own right hook, dropping him right at the horn. In the beginning of round two, you can see that Whitaker knows that he's probably down on the cards and that Adesanya might move in for the kill. He starts off with more stiff jabs into overhand rights and hooks, landing them with a little bit of success. This catches Adesanya off guard, but now he knows that if Whitaker lunges in again, he'll lean back and counter with short hooks on the inside. This is a dangerous game plan to utilize constantly since it leaves you incredibly off balance and vulnerable for double and triple attacks on the same side, with the most famous example being Chris Weidman knocking out Anderson Silva the first time around. Adesanya is no fool though. He makes sure that when he does move back, it's always only a few steps before he angles off to the side. This is important because going straight back would mean his back is caught along the fence. And it's how he was cornered in his earlier UFC matches. It's truly a marvel to see how far Adesanya has come in his UFC career. He went from being taken down against the fence by the likes of Rob Wilkinson to fighting almost exclusively inside the two black lines against Robert Whittaker. Round 2 is also when Adesanya really started to piece together some real offense against Whittaker, whether it was showing off more of the counterhooks during his lean backs or throwing his own jabs down the center. Whittaker was made aware of the danger that he was in. Speaking of jabs, Adesanya's jabs came from his waist, almost daring Whittaker to throw more strikes at his face. There's also the possibility that Adesanya had the arm hanging lower than normal, and it's to prevent possible takedown attempts. This is actually a favorite of Whitaker, and it was on full display against Jacare Souza and Yoel Romero, and Adesanya used it quite well. Because the punch was coming from below Whitaker's line of vision, he would have to look down to see where it would land, leaving him open to head kicks and hooks. The end came a bit after the midpoint of round two. Adesanya knew more or less what Whitaker was going to throw, and even when Whitaker did connect with combinations up top, he didn't have to worry about protecting his body or being ready to defend a takedown. Just like he did at the end of round one and moments of round two, Adesanya leaned back and caught Whitaker flush with the left hook as he's leaning back, fulfilling his prophecy of making sure Whitaker pays when he throws his own left hook. A few follow up punches later, and we now have an undisputed middleweight champion. Whitaker definitely had his moments in spurts. His kicks, both low and high, scored throughout the bout and he was able to catch Adesanya clean at times with his combinations. However, some of his bad habits resurfaced in this fight. The last loss that Whitaker suffered previous to this one was against Steven Thompson. Although Thompson and Adesanya are technical strikers, they are worlds different when it comes to style. Despite the differences, the way they beat Whitaker was surprisingly similar. Thompson also made sure to maintain his distance and made Whitaker pay every time he lunged in. Thompson also made sure to keep his head off center to make sure that he wasn't the victim of a lunging left hook. Eventually, a straight right hand from Thompson rocked Whitaker 
and led to Thompson getting the TKO. This wasn't exactly the same fight all over again, but the principal weaknesses were the same. Maintain distance and use Whitaker's love of lunging hooks to counter with your own. Whitaker has been prone to brawling before, but it's been a while since he's been this reckless. Focusing on lunging strikes and power punches seemed like a missed opportunity for Whitaker to do one of the things that gave Adesanya problems before, attacks to the midsection. I keep mentioning Gastelum over and over again, but it can't be overstated how much we learned about Adesanya in that fight. Even though Gastelum had a shorter reach than Whitaker, he was able to get in on the inside more often and land with punches. Gastelum was able to do this because he mixed in jabs to the head with hooks and straights to the body. To show how effective the body punches are, look at Floyd Mayweather Jr., widely considered one of the greatest defensive boxers ever. Even he has trouble when you punch towards his stomach area since it can't simply be moved offline or leaned back to avoid damage. This was something that Whitaker's team should have scouted and could have worked on earlier, especially in the first and second rounds. Whitaker was already throwing kicks effectively, why not pair them with body shots? Another weapon of Whitaker's that seemed to be MIA in this fight was his pacing and rhythm breaking. They're not strictly weapons in themselves, like the front kick, which was also missing, but they're usually paired with his intelligent use of jabs and kicks. I mentioned earlier about the success that Whitaker has had against the likes of Natal, Hester, Hall, and Tavares, but he was also able to get power punchers like Souza and Romero to bite down on his feints and swing at air before he pieced them up with technical strikes. Outside of a few shoulder feints and pump jabs, Whitaker looked like he was content trying to hurt Adesanya rather than win a tactical battle. The shame in all this was that Whitaker has the physical tools to give Adesanya trouble and beat him, but either he had an off night where his fight IQ failed him, or the wars against Romero are catching up. For Whitaker, this isn't the end of the road by any means. He's actually two years younger than Adesanya, and an impressive win or two puts him right back at the top for another title shot. Perhaps he can face off against the winner of the Gastelum vs. Till fight, or see if Jack Hermanson needs a dance partner soon. Cannoneer can also be an intriguing matchup, but it might be too soon for the MMA lab fighter. Either way, Whitaker should at least take the rest of the year off to rest up and see what tweaks he can make to the mistakes that occurred in this fight. The last time he got finished like this, he rebounded by going off on an incredible run. Who knows what's possible? Adesanya's future matchup is a lot easier to call. It's Paulo Costa. The two have been snipping at each other for quite some time, going back to mid-2018, when Adesanya claimed that Costa has been ducking him, knowing that he's a bad stylistic matchup. Fast forward to October 2019, and both fighters are still undefeated, and we have another excellent middleweight title fight. Boom, another great match to look forward to. The 185-pound division has been great to watch, but it's also incredibly brutal for its fighters. At welterweight and below, the majority of the athletes are leftovers from college wrestling and boxing slash kickboxing, sports where there are weight classes designed for the smaller athletic guy to compete. If you're over 200 pounds and show any type of athletic promise, chances are you'll try your hand at a major sport like football, basketball, or baseball. Daniel Martin, a writer for The Fight Site, has a pretty good article on Robert Whitaker and the middleweight division as a whole. 
There's a section in there that I want to read from, but the entire thing is worth a look. To quote Martin, Every division has a prerequisite of sorts, an attribute needed to succeed at the highest level for a significant amount of time. Fly rate requires spring and speed, because nearly everyone is small enough to scramble their way through grappling exchanges with very few grapplers capable of locking down position. Light rate requires fight-ending dynamism. It's an enormously dangerous division, so to succeed, you need serious offensive potency, whether that's on the feet, Gaethje, Poirier, or on the mat, Ferguson, Habib. Welterweight's defining trait increasingly looks to be pace, and light heavyweight mostly requires chin. Middleweight requires a massive degree of athleticism. Eric Spicely and Dan Kelly are crafty fighters who know what they're good at, but they were never bred to be top 15 material. They're terrible athletes, or in the case of Dan Kelly, just insanely old and fragile. 185 is a unique division because it's on the cusp of the quote-unquote big man divisions, for example, the bad ones, but it remains the last division in which skill and structure seems to count for much. As a result, some truly great middleweights, like Whitaker and Romero, are a frightening blend of insane athleticism and technical skill. I agree with most of that statement, which is why we should enjoy a champion like Adesanya while we can. Despite his relatively new MMA career, he's had a long history in kickboxing and no one really knows when his career will start winding down. Now that's the show. We've grown Southpaw purely from word of mouth, so that means it's all organic. So if you're already spreading the word, please continue to do so. If you've never done it, please consider telling your friends, sharing on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or whatever social media app you use and also leaving us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast so people can find us on searches. This will help serve us more people and let others who are looking for a show like ours find us. A home has arrived for lefty nerds who like MMA, and we want to make sure everyone can hear our beacon. Until next time, goodbye.